I am having one of those mornings where everything just seems off, but it's not for a bad reason. It's just that yesterday we did some recordings and my kids came in to help out. Now my microphone's in the wrong spot. And that's how the morning's starting off on this rainy Tuesday, August 16th. But you know what? All the challenges aside, I mean, first world problems here, that my microphone's not in the right spot. It's still a beautiful day because you and I are here together. Uh, good morning. Welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright, and I want to thank you for being with us this morning. Above all, we want to thank God for this day and for this time together. So let us pray and begin our day in prayer as we always do in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayer. As your children, we implore your intercession with Jesus, our Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today. We are comforted in knowing your heart is ever open to those who ask for your prayer, We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life in peace with God forever. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On the show today, we're going to be talking with uh, Doug Berry, as you may have guessed. We'll continue our talk on resources to help us in the battle of spiritual warfare. We're also going to be talking with Dr. Scott Hahn again today. Here's Here's a word for you. Theotokos. Theotokos. Do you know what it means? Well, if you don't, don't worry, that's not our catechist question today. We'll have one of those a little later on, too. But Theotokos is what we're going to be talking about with Dr. Scott Hahn today. I'll give you a clue. It has to do with the Blessed Mother. Uh, And then we're also going to be talking with Dr. Ray Garendi, host of The Doctor Is In. Uh, I might have, I can't remember if I mentioned this yesterday, but I'll say it today. Today is the first day of school for my kids. I know yesterday was the first day of school for a lot of kids. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a sad one for us this year. It's a happy sad, right? Bittersweet. Our youngest is in kindergarten this year. And, uh, you know, like we don't have it for the first time. In 12 years, we don't have any infants, toddlers, or preschoolers in the house. We have a kindergartner, and we've got one all the way up in, in middle school and everything in between. And uh, I'm not sure how to react to that emotionally a little bit. And, of course, every year, every year, going back to school brings about new challenges. So we're going to talk with Dr. Ray about that today. Watch day. uh I watched a great movie last night, and, you know, it was one of those ones that there – it's called The Last Castle. Now, it's not not a family-friendly movie, so don't rush home to watch it this afternoon or this evening. But it's one of those ones where there's injustice going on, and the one character, he never loses his cool throughout the entire thing. Robert Redford's character never loses his cool – throughout the entire thing. And I I was saying to myself as I watched it, how could I 
have a demeanor like that? What kind of daily discipline do I need to get into to have a demeanor like that? Now, it's really easy for his character to do it because it's a movie and he's acting, right? He, he just does what the director tells him to do. He did it very well, in my opinion. Um, but could I develop that level of calm in my life when things are chaotic and out the window? Well, you know what? That's why we say pray that rosary every day. I'm not saying it's a guarantee you will develop that calm, but the more time you spend in prayer every day, the more time you learn to trust in God every day, the more time you just do these practical things every day and these daily disciplines, the more likely it is that when the, uh, the tough times come, you're going to be able to contain yourself, keep your cool, and do what needs to be done. So just a random thought for you on this Tuesday morning. Let's go now to Mike Roberts. And when we come back, Dr. Ray will be with us. Today is the feast day of St. Stephen of Hungary. Born near the end of the 10th century, his father was chief of the Magyars who migrated into an area around the Danube. When he was 10, he and his father were both baptized. And at 20, Stephen married Gisela, whose father, St. Henry, was emperor at the time. Stephen eventually succeeded his father as chief of the Magyars and led an effort to Christianize all of Hungary. He instituted a policy of having one church for every 10 towns and collected tithes used to support that church and its priests. At his request, the Pope provided organizational structure needed to run the church in Hungary, and in return, he asked the Pope to crown him king, which the Pope did. Stephen had a great love for his people and was always available to them, especially the poor, but he also could be ruthless when he wanted his own way. He wrote a beautiful letter to his son, Emmerich, explaining that what was needed to be king was devotion to the church and mercy. My son, be merciful to all who suffer violence, keeping always in your heart the example of the Lord who said, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Be patient with everyone, not only the powerful. Sadly, Emmerich died before he could succeed Stephen, and Stephen died on this day in 1038. St. Stephen, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. It's that time of year when kids are going back to school. Some are little kids, some are older kids. And for the parents, I don't know that there's much of a distinction between the tears that parents shed when their kindergartner goes off to school for the first time or when their college student goes off to college for the first time. And the perennial question is, how much should we be involved in what they're doing day to day? Are are you that helicopter parent that needs to know everything real time as it happens or Are you like me sometimes where you're like, yeah, yeah, they'll be fine. Just let them go and maybe we'll check in at the end of the day. Somewhere in between is likely where the healthy line is, where the healthy way is. And since I can't answer that question, we're happy to have with us Dr. Ray Garendi, host of The Doctor Is In, right here on Covenant Network every weekday at noon from EWTN Radio. Dr. Ray, so good to have you with us today. Thanks, Adam. So I, I guess that is the question. You know, every year I, I see this when I'm dropping my kids off for school on the first day of school. I'm like, yes, they are out of the house. But inevitably there is some kindergartner somewhere just bawling because they don't want to be separated from mom or dad. 
and mom and dad don't want to be separated from the kid and they just want to linger a little bit longer. Oh, can I hold him or her a little bit longer, a little bit longer? And then oddly enough, it was kind of the same way when I went off to college. My mom didn't want to say that initial goodbye and I stayed in town to go to college, but I lived in the dorm. So what do we need to keep in mind for our parents as we go through these moments? Hey, Adam, did it ever occur to you that your mom was crying because you weren't leaving? That could have been. That could have been. Yeah. Think about that. Parents are in a time warp. They assume that school was kind of like when they were in school. They are still living, for the most part, in the idea that the schools and the educational philosophies pretty much are in line with where they are as religious parents or even as traditionally-minded parents. Adam, that is fast not becoming the case. I have to routinely work with parents now to tell them, be aware of what your children are being taught socially, sexually, emotionally, in the school. You cannot just assume that the school is on your wavelength anymore. There are certainly those that are, but you better know which ones. I can't tell you how many parents get blindsided by their six, seven, eight, nine-year-old child hearing things that they never, as parents, would want them yet to hear. So in the sense, if you want to call that a helicopter, I'm going to say go for it. Because you now have to be vigilant if your children are in school, knowing that it's not just reading, writing, and arithmetic anymore. It's now we've got to tell your kid the proper progressive way to think. And if you're a religious parent, it's going to clash with how you want to raise Yeah, I like to say that uh, sometimes we're in danger of going from reading, writing, and arithmetic to reading, writing, and ridiculous. And I remember the time our oldest came home, and he used some choice words, and my wife and I looked at each other and then looked at him and said, where did you pick that up? And he goes, oh, for my friend at school, he taught me those words. Uh, They're they're the cool words to say here in sixth grade. And I'm like, yeah, those aren't the cool words to say in this house if you want to keep living in this house, buddy. So... I get that. We have to be involved. We have to be vigilant of what's going on. But I imagine there's also a right way and a wrong way to do this. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you always got to be careful when you say right way, wrong way. Because it really does come down with what you want to teach as a parent. When you say right way, wrong way, that implies that there's some kind of expert-driven notion that if the parent slips out of that channel, they are psychologically inappropriate. I can't tell you how many parents I have seen that are paralyzed, that are second-guessing themselves, that are guilt-ridden because they're afraid they're not being psychologically correct. Yeah, there is a right way, but I always tell parents, much of the time, you determine the right way for your child with your moral system and your family. All right. Well, I, I like that. You know, Ray, one of the things I keep in mind and because I like to be polite, I like to be courteous, and I think that's good to be charitable with people when we interact with them. But sometimes I have had to be the advocate for my child at their school, and I have to remind myself that as much as I want to be courteous and respectful, I have friends, and I'm not looking necessarily for the teachers and administrators to be my friend. I am looking for them to provide the best for my child. And if that means I have to raise something that might cause some tension 
but it's for the good of my child, then I need to step up to the plate and do that. Last but not least, I do want to turn to that question of separation, because sometimes we are incredibly blessed. I I know that my wife and I have a very good understanding of what's going on at our kids' school. We're very involved. We're very comfortable with the dynamics right now. But our youngest is going off to kindergarten, and my wife has been remarking around the house that it's kind of sad for her that, you know, here's our baby going off to kindergarten, and now they're all going to be in school full time. And, you know, there has to be a healthy detachment. They're not going to stop being our children, but at a certain point, we do have to start letting go a little bit and trusting that we are raising them right and letting them start to flourish in the world. Kindergarten's probably not the time for that. I'm thinking that's more on the college end of the spectrum. What is the importance of starting to let go just a little bit? Part of it is the kids sometimes show their anxiety and their resistance to going to these early grades. Most parents can take comfort in the idea that the kids are going to get used to it. For the most part, yeah, they may have a week or two of some kind of anxiety, but anxiety isn't necessarily bad for a kid. We've become so nervous about a kid getting upset. You know, he may may just have to find out that this whole kindergarten thing isn't as bad as he thought, and most of them do, by the way. If a parent is feeling the anxiety over the separation, the parents got to tell themselves, okay, this is the normal progression of being a parent. This is what happens. This is what I can expect, rather than, isn't this sad that now I'm at this stage? Yeah, we're supposed to get there. I mean, kids don't say babies forever. You know, we're we're supposed to be there. Well, Ray, I want to thank you for these insights. And if you want to hear more from Dr. Ray, I I always say this. uh, You answer questions I didn't even know I had when I listened to The Doctor Is In. And as a parent, I very much appreciate them. So you can catch Dr. Ray every day on our airwaves at 12 o'clock noon Central Time. Uh, Dr. Ray, I want to thank you for being with us on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Adam? I'm just getting tired of raising your kids. (laughs) Sometimes I am too, but I love them and and I'm happy to be there, Dad. (laughs) We're going to take a break here. Don't go anywhere. Are you enjoying this episode of Roadmap to Heaven? Are you saying to yourself, I wish I could listen to this again? Well, good news, you can. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search Roadmap to Heaven by Covenant Network to find this episode and more. And for even more great Catholic content, be sure to visit www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R-CatholicRadio.org and click on the Programs tab for some great shows. And now back to Roadmap to Heaven. We are back, and we have a catechiz question for you today. Our catechiz question may seem a little repetitive uh, from where we've been with this for a while, but it's going to be important for later in today's show. So let's get down to it. Your catechiz question today, what is the difference between person and nature? What is the difference between person and nature? Well, we turn to the wonderful Theology for Beginners by Frank Sheed for the answer for this. Uh, We see that the person and nature answer two different questions. If we are aware that there is something in the room, we ask, what 
is it? If we can see that it is a human being but cannot distinguish the features, we ask, who is it? What asks about nature? Who asks about the person? Now, the, the question, you know, you may be saying, Adam, is this one of those things like the chicken and the egg, which came first, the person or the nature? Uh, Frank Sheed says the first stages of our investigation into person and nature are simple enough. We use the phrase, my nature, which means that there is a person, I, who possesses a nature. The person could not exist without the nature, but some distinction there seems to be. The person possesses the nature, not vice versa. We say, my nature, not nature's me. My nature, not nature's me. I love that example he uses. Now, why is this important? Because later on with Scott Hahn, we're going to be talking about this. And one of the things we need to cover in this is the following. God became man, not the Trinity, says Frank Sheed. But the second person of the Trinity, the Son, the Word, became man. Reread the opening verses of John's Gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here we find the fact that it was the second person who became man. And we find the reason all things were made by him. So... The, the divine person preceded the human nature of Jesus. Uh, it's a beautiful thing when uh, the Blessed Mother gives birth to our Lord. She plays an instrumental part in him taking on human nature. And in fact, you could say in a way that she gives him his human nature by conceiving him and burying him. Uh, now, she could not have done that without him. But it's, it's a really beautiful thought. So that, that's an important thing for us to remember. Person, nature. I dare ask the question. This isn't your catechist question, but I dare ask this question. Do you know, do you know what you're, you know, when we talk about who you are and what you are, what is it you're called to do? Well, you're supposed to use your human person, your human nature to get to heaven and be in eternal communion with three divine persons, one God, the Holy Trinity, and God willing, that's where we're all going to be. We're going to take another real quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. When we come back, we'll be talking with Doug Berry in our continued series on resources to help us as we walk through this life engaged in spiritual warfare and the, the daily spiritual battles. So stay tuned. More Roadmap to Heaven is coming at you right after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. Visit us today. And now back to this podcast. Last week when we were doing our overview of spiritual warfare and the battle around us with Doug Berry, one of the things Doug mentioned were two types of prayers, impeccatory prayers and depeccatory prayers. I hope I said that all right, Doug. And today we're going to talk about some of those prayers because there are prayers that you and I should be praying every day if we're going to engage in this battle. You know, you go back to 1917 when our Blessed Mother appeared in Fatima and what she said was the plan from heaven to quote from her, 
avert war and bring peace to the world. And by the way, that was the one thing that she repeated all six apparitions to avert war and bring peace to the world. Pray the rosary. It's a 15 to 20 minute prayer. Now, I think at the time it meant all 15 mysteries before we had the luminous mysteries given to us later by St. John Paul II. But the point being, really the church understands and has said to us, pray at least five mysteries a day. It's 15 to 20 minutes. It's a devotion that was given to us ultimately by our Blessed Mother. So ultimately, ultimately, if you can have two ultimately's in a row, by God himself through our Blessed Mother. It has been considered the school of the Holy Family. The idea of these devotions, like the Rosary, or another set of prayers that I love, and they're very powerful, the Auxilium Christianorum prayers, which were put together by Father Chad Ripperger. And these prayers, you recite similar prayers, the same prayers every day, and then there are certain prayers that are specifically for that day, Monday through Sunday. Making these devotional prayers, these devotions to even saints, where you have a strong devotion to a St. Joseph or St. Therese and so forth, this is part of a character that the church has given us that is so powerful. It connects us in some ways with our family in the next life, especially when you bring in individuals. For example, St. Joseph, I think everybody should have a devotion to St. Joseph every day, Blessed Mother, every day. And then there are certain saints that you might feel more inclined to be drawn to. When I started doing this work 30 plus years ago, I would have people at conferences come up and say, have a devotion to this person, this person, this person. And pretty soon you go home and you think, wow, I'm going to be praying like 27 hours out of the day, you know, if you could do that, because there's so many devotions that everybody says you have to have. Over the years, what has happened is, look, you pray and let God kind of allow it to rise to the surface, those devotions that really tie in well with you. I connect with people like St. John Vianney because I love the way he preached. I also connect with a saint, John the Baptist, because I love the boldness of the things that he said. So I'll have a devotion to John the Baptist, or Thomas More's always been a good one too, because he was a martyr, and he was a husband, a father. So you're going to find these things. I don't have strong devotions to many, many other saints out there, because they just don't resonate with me, and that's fine. I want everybody to think about this. It's fine if certain saints affect you more than others. That's really the realm of our family. If you look at Butler's Lives of the Saints, that's a pretty thick book. You look at the big four-volume set, there's a lot of different personalities that are saints right now. We're going to find some that work with us. So pray, find those devotions to the saints, get those devotional prayers, auxiliary Christianorum prayers, you can find them online. Powerful, powerful devotional prayers. I pray them every day. The rosary, pray it every day. Make these devotions the saints and the prayers, part of who you are, an extension of who you are. You know, Doug, what if I were to say to you, every day you've got to go through the obstacle course of doom and things are going to be flying at you left and right that can knock you out and take you down. But if you want to take about 15 minutes, I got in, in the tool chest over here, I got some armor that you could put on that's going to help you fare better in that obstacle course of doom. You're going to take the 15 minutes? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think about the days when I was competing in powerlifting, for example, and you get into competition and it's the squat, the bench press and the deadlift, and you put the belt around the waist and it's a big, thick belt. These belts are almost, I'd say at least three, it's a half inch thick, you know, and then you've got, depending on the one you're using, and then you've got the singlet that you put on, you got to get these straps up over the shoulders and you put wraps on the knees and then you put chalk on the hands you know, and you get under the bar and you lift it off. And without those items, you just, you don't have really the advantage that you could have, should have. 
That's a great analogy you just threw out there. Anything we do in life, we go to those little advantages that give us the edge to accomplish the mission or the task successfully. This is where these devotions are a major part of that in our spiritual life. They help accomplish the task and the mission. People who were just reduce everything down to, oh, just believe in Jesus and you're good. Okay, ultimately, okay. However, when he himself, our Lord Jesus himself, gives us all of these extra, not extra as if they're necessary, but tremendously helpful aids that he gives, why would we not use them? Amen. I I could not agree more. Well, Doug, tomorrow we're going to get to the most important of these, and I'm looking forward to it. Until then, have a great day. Thanks. You too, Adam. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. We are back, and we're happy to be speaking once again with Dr. Scott Hahn this month. We're celebrating the Blessed Mother, although we celebrate her pretty much every month here on Roadmap to Heaven. Dr. Hahn, in our last conversation, we were talking about Mary and her title, The New Eve, and the significance of that. Today, I would like to turn to a term used to describe the Blessed Mother that really has a lot of significance in our understanding, not only of her, but of who Jesus is and what the incarnation means, and that's the title Theotokos. So I wonder, for our listeners who aren't familiar with the term, quite literally, what does that mean, and then what is the significance for us? Well, Theotokos quite literally means the God-bearer, but we typically translate that as Mother of God. And that's not inaccurate, but it's not precise. And so when you go back to the Fourth Ecumenical Council, after Nicaea, Constantinople, you come to Ephesus and the Council of Chalcedon. And those two fifth-century councils are essential, because they basically establish the Church's understanding of Jesus Christ as fully divine and fully human in one person, that is, the second person of the Eternal Trinity. And so in 451, we have what is essentially a crisp summary of our Christology, and it's very high. But 20 years earlier, uh, in 431, at the Council of Ephesus, the third ecumenical council, is declaring the definition of Mary as Theotokos. And this is essential because we tend to think, we tend to assume, at least I did when I was a Protestant, that there's a trade-off, that what you ascribe to Mary, you must take from the Lord Jesus. And then if you're attributing it to Christ himself, well, then you can't attribute it simultaneously to her. But the point really is this that the Blessed Virgin Mary does not in any way subtract from the work of Christ, nor does she add anything to it, because she is the work of Christ. What is this work? Well, Christ is our Creator, He is also our Redeemer. But in creating His Mother, He redeemed her at the moment of her conception, in a way I suspect all of us would choose to do if we could have created our Mother and preserved her from the stain of original sin. We would have done it, but we couldn't, and so we didn't. He could, and he did, and that's what we celebrate. But even more to the point, you have, once again, 
in Scripture this proof in Luke one forty three that a high Mariology does not lower your Christology. No. The Church discovered that a high Mariology is essential for maintaining a high Christology, and vice versa. And why is Luke one forty three so important? Well, because this is the narrative of the visitation. When the Blessed Virgin comes to visit her kinswoman Elizabeth for six months down there in the Judean hill country, when Elizabeth sees her and hears the voice, of course the babe, John the Baptist, is leaping for joy within the womb of his mother, but Elizabeth declares something rather startling. Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, wait a minute. Press pause. You know, I I can hear the Blessed Virgin Mary, if she were a good evangelical Protestant, she would say, no, 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 I'm not the mother of your Lord. I'm just the mother of his human nature, now that he has assumed it within my womb. But mothers know better. Mothers do not bear natures, or merely do they bear bodies. They bear persons. And since in this case she is bearing the eternal Son of God, who's becoming the Son of Man precisely in the sanctuary of her immaculate womb, it is entirely accurate for Elizabeth to say, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And it's entirely right for the Blessed Virgin Mary not to correct her, but to accept that praise because she wants to magnify the Lord. That's what her song, The Magnificat, is all about. Her soul magnifies the Lord, and so does her body. And so when we look carefully, we recognize why it is that in the first four ecumenical councils that all Christians ought to profess and affirm and defend, we have this mystery defined in Theotokos. That is, she is the God-bearer. She is the mother of God, because she is the mother of the eternal Son of God, who's made flesh in her womb. And just getting personal for a moment, Adam, if you don't mind, I remember taking a Christology class at Gordon-Conwell Seminary from a Baptist, Dr. Roger Nicole, who was my theological model and hero, along with his dear friend J.I. Packer. And as we were going through the lectures that semester, he came to the Third Ecumenical Council, and we were wondering whether he would affirm or deny Theotokos. But he didn't simply affirm it. He went to the mat. He spent two entire class lectures showing why it is essential, and it doesn't take anything away from Christ. And he indicated that in the early Church, a high Mariology was one way of preserving a high Christology, and vice versa. And so he showed us how it is entirely scriptural, and it's also the voice of tradition that we can affirm from the creeds. And I remember sitting there rather startled, because I was still rather reactive as an evangelical Protestant in the sense of being not just non-Catholic, but somewhat anti-Catholic, and assuming that there's a kind of of tug-of-war, that what you ascribe to Mary, you take away from Jesus, and if you attribute it to Jesus, you can't also attribute it to the Blessed Virgin. And he, as a Baptist, but as a brilliant one, showed us that, in fact, the Blessed Virgin Mary is not only a model disciple, in the sense that he tells these disciples, do whatever he tells you, but in fact, the Mother of God. Luke one forty three, and the Council of Ephesus in 431 A.D. And he went on to indicate that you can look at the Blessed Virgin and see, as you indicated, Fulton Sheen's line, as we were discussing earlier, 
She is the masterpiece of the divine artist of our redemption. And so she doesn't take away from the work of Christ. She is the perfect work of Christ. And I think that's essential for us to recognize. And so we can see how God does not send his son to get more glory for himself than he already has, because he has this infinite fullness. So why go to all of the trouble of creating the world and redeeming the world by sending his son, not only to become a man, but to suffer and die and to rise again? If it isn't to get more glory for himself, what in the world is he doing it for? Well, it is to give that glory unto us. Well, how much is he willing to give? Well, if he's perfect love, perhaps all of it. Well, how successful has he been? Well, if you look at you and me, you might wonder. But if you look at the Blessed Virgin Mary, you recognize, wow, God is ready, willing, and capable of giving the fullness of grace and glory to a creature. And so you see Mary is without sin, not because she doesn't need to be redeemed, but because she is redeemed more fully and more perfectly than any creature precisely as the new Eve and as the mother of God, Theotokos. Dr. Hahn, it sounds like from what you're saying, of course, I hate to presume for St. Louis de Montfort and some of our other great saints, but this is precisely what they were getting at when they talked about the importance of Marian devotion and Marian consecration and praying our rosary. And, and I love the way St. Louis de Montfort puts it, that if you want to be close to Jesus, one of the surest ways to be close to have a deep relationship with, as you say, the second person of the Eternal Trinity, is to go through the intercession of his Blessed Mother, and that in doing so, in praying that rosary every day, in fostering that Marian devotion, in no way does it diminish our devotion to our Lord. It takes us deeper. That's exactly right. You know, we have to kind of step out of our own skin, which is always hard to do. What do I mean? Well, our culture is steeped in a kind of contractarian individualism. And so the spiritual expression of that is me and Jesus, and you and Jesus, and Mary and Jesus, but not to Jesus through Mary. But what if we adjust this notion of the new covenant from a contract to a family bond and a perfect one? Then suddenly we realize that God the Father sent the Son to pour out the Holy Spirit and he did so perfectly upon his blessed mother, so that the Holy Spirit overshadows her. And that scarce Greek term that Luke uses in chapter 1 of his Gospel is the same term that is used in Exodus 40 and elsewhere for how the glory of the Lord overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, because that box covered with gold contained the Word of God, but the Word of God carved in tablets of stone. If that's what made the Ark of the Covenant the holiest piece of furniture in the Old Covenant on planet Earth, it's what makes the Blessed Virgin Mary not less but far more holy, because she contains the Word made flesh. And when you see that, you realize that she has been given to us as a mother. And what is a mother for? Well, she's the instrument that brings God's Son to us, but she's also the instrument that brings God's wayward prodigal sons and daughters to Jesus, and through him, to the Father. And I think you recognize, then, that a family is not a competitive game. It is not like corporate politics. It really is a rising tide that lifts all boats, beginning with her, and then she turns around and becomes to us what all of us need, and that is a spiritual mother to help us get cleaned up. She does not take away from the work of Christ, getting back to the basics, 
She is the perfect work of our redemptive artist. Well, Dr. Han, this has been a wonderful discussion on what it means to call Mary Theotokos the mother of God, or as Elizabeth put it, the mother of my Lord. I want to thank you for that, and I look forward to our continued conversation this week on the Blessed Mother. Thank you so much for your time, Adam. I really enjoyed this again. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. It's Tuesday. It's time for a Daily Dose of Encouragement. And this week, our theme is the art of restarting. So here with our encouragement is Patty Schneier. Well, obviously, yesterday, I forgot the most important part about restarting and beginning again. Of course, we have the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And I, of course, want everyone to take advantage of the graces received. That is the most beautiful way to begin again. We get to begin again with God. He presses that restart button. But I'm talking about this week, the practical things that sometimes we have to do as we evaluate our life and we look at our relationships. And sometimes we have to take some very concrete steps in order to truly begin again. So what Father Rossini in his book, The Art of Restarting, what he recommends to do is that sometimes if things aren't going well, maybe in your home, maybe with your kids, your spouse, your job, again, think about things. Maybe you just want to begin again with losing weight. You know, you've tried, you've tried, you've tried. Same 10 pounds. Well, you got to begin again. Or maybe you want to begin with organizing your home. You've tried, you've tried, and then everything gets into chaos again. We need to restart organizing again. He says to suggest with some very practical things. I'm going to talk about two of them today and two of them tomorrow. The first is start with the body. When do you go to bed? When do you wake up? When do you pray? What do you eat? All of these things are very physical, concrete things that we need to evaluate because we are physical beings. To start over, we have to start with the basics of the body. Maybe it's just by going to bed earlier is going to start you begin again with whatever it is you're dealing with in your life or what you're eating or all of those things physically that I mentioned about when do you pray, getting that routine, getting that schedule. If in your spiritual life you want to start over again, I got to start my prayer time. Okay, the second thing he says is evaluate space. Some people are literally in the wrong place. They don't know it, and therefore they just never move. They could get stuck in the same place. Like someone says, oh, I wonder if I should go to Africa as a missionary. But it would be enough to go to class on Monday. It would be enough to be on time for work, right? In your space. Clean your workspace. Look at the space around you. Do you need to create space for quiet time in your home if you want to begin again with a prayer life? Do you need to teach your children to clean up their toys so you're not tripping over objects? Do you just need to declutter? So just do those simple steps with the body and with space to surround yourself with simplicity, order, and beauty to the extent that it's feasibly possible according to your state in life, to help you begin again. These are physical things, but they're tangible, concrete steps that you might need to do in your life to begin again, whatever it is in your life. I'm reminded of a phrase I hear quite often. When was the best time to plant a tree? 25 years ago. When's the second best time to plant a tree? Right now. So if now's the time to restart, it's the time to restart. And Patty, you've given us two great, very practical ways to do that.
I'd like to share with you before we sign off today some more information on something that Doug Barry brought up, and we didn't have a lot of time to get into it, and that's the Auxilium Christianorum. Uh, Father Chad Ripiger has put together some resources for us for prayers uh, that we can be praying every day, as Doug Barry said. And if you go online and you search Auxilium Christianorum, you'll find it. Um, But if you're saying, how do you spell that? Well, you're not alone. I had to look it up, and it took me a couple tries of, of misspelling to get close enough for the internet to correct me and take me to the correct place. So Auxilium is A-U-X-I-L-I-U-M. And then Christianorum is Christian with O-R-U-M on the end. If you go to auxiliumchristianorum.org, you can find uh, more information about the Auxilium Christianorum members, the requirements, the daily disciplines, and all of the prayers. And here's the best thing. Um, They have an app for that for both uh, iOS and Android Google devices uh, where you can just get the prayers every day. You could download them from the website. Very important to note that there are different prayers for priests and different prayers for lay members. So we in the laity, we're not supposed to pray the prayers that are assigned for the priest to pray. Um, There's a special mark of their office. You know, they, they have an indelible mark on their soul and as Doug and I have talked about, it's all about knowing your role and, and staying in your lane. And uh, don't get outside of your lane when engaging in the day-to-day struggle with the spiritual enemy. So different prayers for different people. Auxiliumchristianorum.org, you can look that up. Father Chad Ripiger has put together some wonderful, wonderful resources there as well. We're grateful for Dr. Scott Hahn spending some time with us on the show today. He's going to be back tomorrow. So tell all your friends, tune in tomorrow right here, 7 a.m., Roadmap to Heaven. What are we going to talk about tomorrow? We've talked about Mary as the New Eve. We've talked about Mary as Theotokos. Well, there's a lot we could choose from. So I'll just say that. Tune in tomorrow. I also want to thank Doug Berry for being with us again today, as well as Ray Garendi. And a reminder, you can hear Ray in The Doctor Is In here on Covenant Network uh, at 12 o'clock noon Central Time every Monday through Friday. And so uh, thank you to all of them. Let's most importantly give thanks to God in prayer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's a busy day for a lot of us. Maybe it's not a busy day for you. Let's pray for one another today. Let's pray for all of the kids going back to school. Let's pray for all of the parents, too. And uh, let's pray especially for those who are out in the elements today and those who have no one to pray for them. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.